0: What's up, fam? Welcome back to another episode. In this one, I'm interviewing a really cool man named Ian Callender. Uh, He is... One of those dudes who does a lot of stuff but doesn't get a lot of love for it. Not not very public-facing. But at the same time, I guess he kind of is. I don't know. But he does a lot of entrepreneurial things for arts and events and producing events and working with really big brands. Just really cool business moves. And so I always admired him. And so it was really nice to have him on the show to kind of get into his mind and, and just see how he does all this stuff. But besides that stuff, guys... Um, The show is rocking and rolling. Got so many great interviews coming up for you. So many scheduled. Uh, Really feeling like we keep going up with like the level of guests. I'm really excited for some of these artists and different uh, creatives in DC about to come on the show in the next few weeks because – they're doing some big things, and they have a lot of crazy stuff to talk about. Ugh, I don't want to spill too much. you know. I don't want to spill too much. But anyways, any support for this episode or, or for this podcast is so much appreciated. Please uh, subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash that's the angle, or subscribe to this podcast. Anything helps. I appreciate it. All right, guys. Enjoy. That's the angle. Oh, what? That's the podcast. So uh, I guess we can just get right into it, eh?
1: I mean, All we right. can talk about that Kansas fight yesterday. That was pretty uh, hilarious. Kansas what? played Kansas State.
0: What happened? I saw. I think I saw that World Star this morning. <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs>
1: that's, that's our platform. Now. Most factual place for news. Yeah, I think uh, one of the Kansas State players got, like, you know, dunked on or something like that towards the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And Kansas was up. And one of the Kansas players, you know, stood over top of they, oh, the guy. He... And then benches cleared
0: chairs thrown yeah it looks pretty crazy i saw a video this morning on Worldstar. you know i always check there in the morning and i was like oh crazy basketball fight Like, yeah. it's like you know someone's got disrespected and got their feelings hurt <laughs> anyways guys welcome to that's the angle today i'm joined with ian calendar cheers yeah man cheers to that here i cheers you with my coke and your dc tap
1: <laughs>
0: and uh it's really cool to have you on man because um i've had your friend uncle Scooty on last year and since then i was like oh man i gotta get Ian on. i gotta get you on yeah and the dots just weren't, really weren't connecting, you know. I didn't. I feel like I didn't have a good reason. Yeah. Sure. But then all of a sudden, uh, recently you were appointed the. Artist or director member of the commission on nightlife and culture. Yeah. And I thought that was a tongue twister, but also really interesting (laughs) because I was like, what does this mean? It seems really exciting. Like you're going to do something for nightlife and culture. But I, so I was like, all right, got to have you on. So, so Ian, what in the world does does that (laughs) certificate or honor mean?
1: So, um, it's, it's more of like a designation. Um, I mean, it's an appointee position Mm -hmm. and you apply, so you have to, um, Submit um, through the mayor's office, and what the organization, uh, the mayor's office of nightlife and culture, um, led by Director Sean Townsend, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an organization or an agency, uh, the first of its kind that focuses on um, the nightlife economy, um, anywhere from your restaurants, bars, lounges to your you know cultural spaces such mm-hmm. as. You know, fifty-two O, and specifically all the artist units um, therein, but it it highlights um, um, a segment of business that hasn't really been a focal point in, in governmental affairs. Um, mm. So the assembly of the commission is an um, alignment of of individuals in different subsets of industries. Okay. Uh, so you'll have your restaurant tour. Um, you'll have your you know nightclub owner. And then you'll have your set of artists, whether it's um, um, a vocal artist, a visual artist, a performing artist, um, or uh, someone like myself who was a director of an arts organization mm. um, at Culture House, and um, you know Anwar Glover. Who's the lead talker of Backyard Band? Uh, Maggie O'Neill, who's a visual artist. Very familiar with Maggie um, O'Neill. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's a it's a it's a collective, if you must, of individuals who um, fit the bill to help drive uh, or at least focus on the mayor's initiative for nightlife and culture, more specifically, help uh, Director Townsend achieve some of those goals. Um, and what I mean by goals, uh, yeah. let's look at you know, Washington DC as a whole, there hasn't really been a uh assessment uh, you know, financially of what the nightlife economy does for Washington DC. Yeah, it's very um, important part. I mean of any economy huge. but it's huge, but specifically yeah. in DC now being a, a, a restaurant city. It is you dude, know, I've like, been saying that for so man, long. Listen, it wasn't it wasn't uh you know, we did a um I always tell this story, we, we did a, a pop up uh with vitamin water back nice. in two thousand ten. Um, right below Florida Avenue on 14th Street. It was Mm -hmm. the old Department of Transportation, um, one of their offices before they consolidated and and moved to to Navy Yard. Um, It was 25,000 square feet, and right when Brightest Young Things started doing, you know, mm-hmm. kind of cool parties and stuff, um, that was really the only activity that 14th Street saw that wasn't, you know, prostitution or drugs. It was like or, that new kind
0: of fresh pop-up. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, you know, then 2014, 15 came around and then boom, out of nowhere, it just started um, a flourishing, the Diplomat, you know, Barcelona and now just 14th street between p and and florida is like 60 some odd restaurants i mean
0: 14th street is insane right now it, yeah. you would not think about what it was probably back in 2010 like 14th yeah, seems exactly. like the cool street to go to like to go to restaurants to mm-hmm. go out all of that anything it's exactly it seems, it's very hopping and and i i have been saying this for so long but it's the restaurant industry like you're yeah. saying that has spurred that
1: yeah so now when you take restaurants and then you incorporate the nightlife you know like clubs and lounges that's a huge, you know, tax base as well. The revenues that, you know, park at 14th, you know, on 14th mm-hmm. Street right below K um, is, is again, one of the top 100, you know, nightclubs in the, in the, in the nation yeah. uh, as far as revenues that, that come in. Um, so are you just like making sure they get taxed?
0: Like what's no, going on? No, not making sure. Like, like, like what's your, what's your duty I, here? Like I what's think the, the connection?
1: I think the assessment is, you know, like how many people come from Maryland? How many people come from Virginia? How many people you know um um what's their you know job titles like what are mm-hmm. their um what's the what's the background baseline to um you know ensure that uh a the, the 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 public space that park you know occupies to get people in and out of the facility are uh are, are safe and in in sync you know working with different agencies such as you know mpd like i don't know if you've been to park but like you know there's always an mpd officer um or a reimbursable detail that's always outside. So mm-hmm. as a business owner, you know, they're, you know, mandated to have, you know, police officers on site after specific hours when there's X amount of people in their establishment. Just yeah. to make sure but, you know, the club owners have to pay for that. Uh-huh. You know, but N P D reimburses, you know, the businesses because that should be a, a you know, a. a, a, a- what's N P D? Metropolitan Police Department. Oh, okay, okay. Um but, you know, that's something that um All businesses should should have you know some type of security for their patrons to you know visit their establishments and not have you know nothing to worry about when they leave but if there's just a there's a business um, a formula within you know the nightlife scene Uh and then of course with you know arts and culture um, you know kind of where I fit in that you know we had um, you know launched the the culture house you know formerly blind wino in 2013 with no real intent of, of being active seven years later. But now that we are, you know, like challenges that we experience is the permitting um, office down at DCRA, right? So as an arts and culture organization, you know, why are we faced with these specific challenges that, you know, we personally can't figure out on our own?
0: So, So essentially, you're there, because of your experiences, which we'll talk about, you're there to Help these businesses flourish between the relations of of them in the city or them in the the...
1: agencies of the city so it's more of like a a liaison to ensure that if there are issues that are experienced by the multi-dimensional nightlife institutions Mm -hmm. that we can help facilitate and steer or spearhead uh, in in many instances to make sure that they're not experiencing any um, uh, lag in communication um, we all know how DC government can be, and sometimes it's very challenging and, and um, you know, overwhelming. Yeah, uh, dealing with any government energy, <laughs>
0: entity is difficult, let alone being in like the center of it all.
1: Yeah, but you know, but yeah. I think um, you know, each agency, you know, you know, they do their job extremely well, but it's it's often difficult with the complexities that come with those agencies to ensure um you know smooth transitions or at least just a smooth understanding for for most businesses and establishments in the city
0: oh that's i mean that's really important and it can probably be often overlooked just that you're so in a way you're kind of like that that information guy the liaison between everyone
1: yeah i mean if take dcri for example you know they have a um, you know, expediters right? And expediters are what's DCRA? Uh, Department of uh, Consumer Regulatory Affairs. Okay. Um, that's where most businesses, you know, um, get their business licenses, uh, you know, building permits. Um, everyone that has a business in Washington D.C. has at some point in time patronized Fourth uh, Street Southwest, which is mm-hmm. where DCRA's office is head uh, is located, their headquarters. Um, but um, from a Uh, expediter approach these are people who understand the inner workings of DCRA and they practically have the you know the the DCRA Bible in the back of their head right Mm -hmm. so you know you want to go and get a business license you might go to the website and while it you know might be self-explanatory to someone that might not really be versed in and you know the the lingo or the language of, of DCRA there's your expediter that you know has the supreme knowledge and can help you advance your application, or at least just provide oh, you I with see. the knowledge to you know get you from point A to to point Z.
0: So in a um, way, it's it's kind of encouraging business. Like it, yeah. in, in a way, it's like you're trying to help them not shut down. Like correct it, yeah. in that Do whole that yeah okay do things yeah, yeah. properly but by doing things properly aka you won't get that giant bill or or or, or whatever it might be in the mail <laughs> the fire marshal won't show exactly up and
1: be like yo where's your certificate of occupancy i need to see that right yeah now.
0: you're there and be like yo you gotta have this ready you gotta have the police here yeah. which they'll pay you back and because I mean, of this you'll create a better nighttime experience yeah i mean
1: knowledge is is definitely king you know when it comes mm-hmm. to to all industries and facts you know i didn't fall into you know, the, 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 arts and culture, you know, industry, I've been doing sneakers, you know, that's my background, that's my passion, throwing sneaker parties since what I you was wear? a kid. You know, what's, what's on the feet? What I got, I got some, some shattered, you know, backboards, just. Jeez, you, felt... you probably got my rent on your feet, Jesus, I'm scared to ask. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Those are some Jordan 1s though.
1: <laughs> no, but, you know, rent's very high, so <laughs> I, I, let's say no to, to that, um, but, uh, but, you know, like, you know, one of the things with with me and, and throwing these sneaker parties back in the day was, you know, there wasn't anything like that uh, going on. And mm. while this was my hobby, you know, just collecting sneakers and finding a way to turn it into a business, um, the more and more I started doing sneaker parties, you know, the more and more I said, well, I need to get legit. You know, uh-huh. I, I can't just be... Throwing parties, like where's my insurance? Where's my, you know, where's the liability? You know, those type of things are, are things that we want to drive and ensure that businesses, um, you know, can can have the tools that they need so that there aren't any issues moving forward.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. so it's so interesting. I think that everything that you, it it all started with sneakers, and it's just like how do I make more money? How to make a better event? Yeah, and. And slowly, it's like you're just doing things by necessity, and you've learned it and gained all this stuff. Yeah,
1: it's it's it's. I mean, we, we all hustle at the yeah. end of the day, you know. Hustles, you know. Want to know kings? You know, mantras is is hustle, but like, there's le- legal and legit ways to hustle as well. And and I think, um, especially from you know an artist stance, um, I always implore all the artists to you know get legit. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, get your business license. Um, you know, get your EI and get your tax ID because you know, and just polish up a bit because that's how you'll get more business. You mm-hmm. know, yes, you can Instagram hustle all day, and some people are are phenomenal at that. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, we're we're doing ten ninety nines right now, <laughs> and people are like, you know, oh, you need my my W nine? Like, I don't have one. I was like, come on, man. <laughs> gotta get one that man. stuff's like,
0: confusing though like when i was first when i first filed my business and stuff and people asked me for w9s w8s yeah all this like, stuff huh? i'm like what i'm like what? What, what what do i do like it's not signed like
1: listen 2007 2007 i was doing an event at district 51 which was the city's first sneaker store mm-hmm. a boutique store oh. right on georgia avenue howard university campus across from um the mcdonald's and uh a guy that was the district manager of scion used to come to one of my you know sneaker suite events mm-hmm. at you know mirrors lounge which is I think it's the Hyatt place now uh, right around the corner on New York Avenue but um, he said hey look man I want you guys to throw us an event you know I love the way you set it up you know and I'm like okay cool whatever you want and he's like I just, you know, send me a proposal and, you know, put a price tag on it. And I'm like, okay, Mike, I've never done this before a day in my life. Yeah. Because uh, I was just throwing these parties just for my own personal gratification. And at
0: these parties, you were like just selling the sneakers. There was an event where you would sell sneakers. Well, we
1: were actually just displaying the sneakers, we weren't even selling them. Oh. Because it was my personal collection. And then I would just display them as aesthetic form of of art, you know, because, you know, and then it got to a point where we started doing like sneaker pimps and selling sneakers and and all that. But, you know, he came back and says, well, look, I need a a EIN and and a W9. And I'm like, (laughs) "You're like?" I'm like, EIN, what the the hell is that? You know, And, and then I did my research and I'm like, oh, he wants me to. A tax ID number. Yeah. Like I gotta start a business now because that was the only way I was gonna get a check. The check was twenty five hundred bucks, but it was my first check. You know what I mean? I mean, when you get that
0: first check, I mean that, that big brand deal. Like, oh my god! That you you're, you it feel was, on top of the world, man. I
1: was, and I walked away with no zero dollars but that wasn't my intent i paid everybody else yeah but at the end of the day i established a relationship with the brand that later funded me on almost anything i wanted to do it's amazing um and then i that's when i figured it out very early in the game so um and so you were
0: you were so you were hustling sneakers like i mean you were doing sneakers before now because sneakers now is at an all-time high but back in 2010 yeah. those early days it was it was like dunk culture and like yeah. sb culture yeah. And
1: yeah sbs you know like 2000 you know when the sbs dropped i was in college um i went to drexel in philadelphia and there was a store ubic uh, oh yeah, yeah Ubik was is that my, how you say it i always thought to. it was Ubique you big you big I don't know whatever it was it was the only spot at the time that I would go to Um, and then you had like your online stores so like shoe trends and you know Nike talk was always like our big platform where everybody Mm -hmm. would used to like just drop gems on releases Um, and then you had your locals you know your shoe city and DTLR Um, but that To me was like the start because I would import export with people from Europe. You know, back then Nike used to drop in Canada. They used to drop in, you know, China, Thailand, Tokyo, different countries. And they each had their own specific colorway. So that was kind of like the network at the time. And you were
0: kind of like the plug in this area. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I'm like... I'm like the dealer, right? So, like, yeah. all of the ball players, all the celebrities, you know, PA Palace, Canon Sport, all these they went fashion to you. retailers, they came to me. That's crazy. I used to just get, Whoa. like, 10, 20 pair at a time, flight posit one, twos, phones.
0: How'd you get into you know that? Like, like, how'd you start, like, like, like dealing sneakers I like I mean, that? I
1: was always in the... You know, I went to the math of high school, right? Okay.
0: Rest in peace to Morgan Wooten,
1: passed right. away today. But, um, like, you know george's plaza was right around the corner so mm-hmm. that was always like our little go-to after school after class and you know while everybody was hype on jordan's and you know the phones i used to just rock the clearance rack shit <laughs> because it's like well look i know for a fact that when i go to school and casual friday is around i'm gonna be the only one rocking you know these 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 Air Max, you know, 97s with the odd colorway that ain't nobody want. You know, and plus they're like 39 bucks. You know, the Jordan trainers, the wrestling Jordan trainers, yeah. like ain't nobody want those. They went on clearance for like 39, <laughs> 29, 99. You're swagging 99. on the low. I'm swagging on the low. And then I just started like growing and growing and collecting and collecting, and establishing relationships with people that. You know had you know footwear that i desired so you know flight positive one was one of my you know most coveted sneaker i probably had every major colorway Jesus. of that specific shoe and you know my mom used to say well this this shoe looks just like this shoe but the sole is blue and this sole is red and i'm like that's the point <laughs> you know because colorway yeah. variance wasn't wasn't a thing back then now we get the color variance in larger production every saturday because you know, well, like, now,
0: now sneaker collecting, it feels so mainstream to me. Like it's it like is. it's like a popular hustle. It's a popular side yeah. flip.
1: It was a subculture at the time. Yeah, it, it wasn't was. about you know oh let me buy this pair because I know I can get like you know a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars you know to pay my rent. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But like it was it was a lot of authenticity with it back then. You know, but then media got on. You know, social media actually. You know, social media wasn't a thing until like. 2010 yeah. 2011 when it really like started to take
0: off so yeah, i mean i think instagram came out 2013 yeah like you know, so yeah. There, there, you really weren't posting your your fit pics like that not or, at all no one was all. doing that on myspace or facebook or anything. no one was doing that yeah. so
1: we kind of kept it you know underground but then as everything it, it became mainstream and I mean, I don't collect as much. I mean, I still buy shoes that I don't need to, you know. But I think uh, for me, it that it'll always that'll always be the case. Um, but it's it's just not the same. It's not the same anymore. You don't have that same nostalgia feeling or something about nah, it. Nah. Well, now when you look at like you know everything's being retroed and yeah. it's not you know like the original. And then it's like let's just keep this you know
0: original colorway. So yeah dunks just came back too have you noticed that the resurgence of dunks
1: yeah more specifically SBs. Yeah, sb dunks, left yeah kind of sbs you know kind of alone for a while but i mean it's been 20 years so i guess it's it's time for is that what
0: it is like a 20-year cycle of when yeah. shit becomes cool again i mean it's just
1: like i mean not to throw a dark tone over it but it's like gentrification you know that shit happens every you know 10 15 20 years and uh, probably a little longer for specific cities like DC to, to kind of experience it when it was once you know just a,
0: a you know chocolate city for example can but, we talk about that about yeah. that in DC? Because I feel like DC yeah, yeah. is heavily experiencing that, and you might have a lot more insight than a lot of my guests. Yeah, I, I, I grew up in Northern Virginia, so I've had like an outward looking in sure. perspective, and I'm just gonna guess that maybe you've been in the city for a long time, or
1: yeah, I'm born and, and raised, yeah. and and um, we spent some time uptown, and then um, my parents moved to uh, New Carrollton, and then we uh-huh. went to Mitchellville, um, where I then went to college. Um, but just from my experience, you know, like school-wise, you know, Jules Van, um, you know, off of Emerson, Riggs, uh, and then Damatha, um, John Carroll Elementary. So all of my scholastic uh, experience has been in in the city. But it's it, what I've noticed just from, you know, and my mom's in real estate too, mm-hmm. right? So even as a kid, That's I was always with her. Um, throughout the city and just seeing you know what she's experiencing as a realtor um, we don't really we we' never really the city never really had a um, uh, a direction as far as um, you know what what's best for for a African American families mm-hmm. you know a lot of people who purchased properties um, probably didn't understand. Where the city was going, okay. um, I guess there was no real direction. Like when you look at Southwest, because I live in Southwest right now, um, the you know the wharf is something where uh, well Southwest was actually one of the the most um, heavily populated African American communities uh, in, the in Washington D.C. Southwest, Southeast, mm-hmm. um, in the fifties, forties, fifties, right? Oh. So. Um, and the city had 954,000 residents at the time uh, in the 40s and 50s. Black business owners up and down 4th Street. You had, you know, um, Black Broadway, you know, our Black Broadway on U Street. I know H, H Street. Street. H Street was yep. pretty pretty popping before as as well. the riots. Exactly. So then Urban Renewal happened in Southwest. and. That was, you know, the first form of gentrification that you know we experienced in It happened. That, it started in the Southwest. It started in Southwest in 1951, I believe, and part of that was, the, you know, the the president, you know, the, the Southwest is. In close proximity to the capital, yeah, it is. And the story was, you know, uh, other countries used to come into market um, and and see this this slum area uh, in Southwest, you know, because it was a lot of alleys, a lot of you know tenements or tenants and and it just wasn't really um, uh, presentable for any official to come. So they started doing their Urban Housing Act. Um, and they decided to demolish all of Southwest from oh. South Capitol all the way to the wharf. Um, save a couple of churches, like mm-hmm. Friendship Baptist Church, which is
0: where we did the blind. Like historical, yep, historical wine. Exactly, right. But, and then, but you're saying like that that seems more like a slow trickle. Like that seems like an like an overtime. Like that that makes, that in a way makes sense because it's like, of course they're going to do, that. they want to be presentable. But I feel like recently, like in the last Fifteen years, it's just exploded. Yeah, it's it's that it's that
1: resurgence, right? Yeah. So so it did happen rapidly. Um, the population went from nine hundred and fifty-four thousand down to you know half a million people now in Washington D.C. proper, um, and then of that, where did all those you know African American families? Wh- what happened with them? They got a couple of thousand dollars and they moved right? Displaced, right. They yeah. were displaced. So there was a slow incline of newer D.C. residents. I think we're at 700,000 now. But you've noticed that starting in the early 2000s, the you know nationals came and and dropped their stadium right there but that's where all of the entertainment that was like the entertainment district so you had a nation you had you know nexus and you know 55 and all those other institutions over there where people and patrons used to go in navy yard that was it and now the city has realized that this is an opportunity to become the most You know, dense neighborhood in Washington D.C. based on zoning. So by right, every piece of parcel in navy yard can go up 110 feet, you know, or 120 feet. You can't do that anywhere in Washington D.C. That is true. That is some of the highest buildings. Yeah, right on the wharf there. And so, as a as a city, you know, that was already known. But again, knowledge is king, right? So that information wasn't provided. To the people that already have property over there they were just given that golden ticket like hey here's 50 grand let me go ahead and get this old garage that you own Mm -hmm. without providing them the information of saying hey look I know you own this garage but you can actually build up 110 feet and get you know 20 condos or you know 200 apartments um, built on this on this land that you own so that's kind of where You've noticed the larger gentrification.
0: Mm, it's kinda of hidden. They, they don't want you to know that they don't want you to know they, like the potential of your of your property no. because clearly they're kicking you off for a reason. Yeah. But yeah. in a lot of ways, it's I don't know if it's low income or not. It's when you're getting that check or whatever it is, it's sure. it's easier to be persuaded when it's government money yeah. and they're dropping you checks, Oh, I just gotta move yeah. down the street. But you don't realize that in ten uh, years, you know, now you're gonna have perhaps one of the most expensive parts of DC to even eat a meal in. Yeah. You know, and so it's yeah. it's kind of interesting how they took like that place and then turn it to the most expensive entertainment part.
1: Yeah, and then a lot of the, the, the arts and culture were, you know, derived from, from you know, prehistoric times where, you know, we had the jazz clubs and we had the, um, you know, the, the arts environments and, and now it's just being presented by other by other groups that come into Washington, D.C. Um, I've often thought about, you know, why there isn't like a D.C. native bill or a you know, people that are from this area, mm-hmm. why don't they have an opportunity to, to, you know, the same opportunities that other folks have by coming into the uh, market? But again, it, it does come down to just knowledge and, and having as much um, information or attain as much information as possible so you can present, um, you know, the best case
0: for yourself or your business. Mm, yeah, because do you see such an interesting case? Because when does it stop when will it stop like how how much longer like what's the ceiling for it? you know we, we know we can only build so high up but it's like at what point does it become ridiculous like are, is it already ridiculous
1: um i think it's getting there um but in a, in a good way though i mean every city should have the right to grow right True. but if there's not enough space then what are you gonna do i mean that's what the mayor's faced with right now you know trying to to find housing, you know, I mean, we have a homeless problem right in Noma across North Capitol. You yeah, know. they just kicked
0: them all off from under that bridge,
1: right? Yeah, you know, so there's upset about that. there's a lot of like you know, um, political strain uh, going on right now, but I think. Um, you know, she's trying to get thirty-six thousand, you know, new homes online by twenty twenty-five, which is a pretty aggressive yeah. goal. But I mean, it's an it's an achievable goal when you think about un- unique and you know, creative ways to 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 bring new housing online. Obviously, the way that it's been working, you know, it works, but it's a slow pace, right? Mm-hmm. So how can we? Find newer ways that you know it's non-traditional. Like even just going back to how we you know launched Culture House, like that was a non-traditional approach. You know, mm-hmm. Sandlot, that was a non-traditional approach. These are all non-traditional approaches to you know bring arts and culture to different neighborhoods in Washington D.C. without having to go through so much uh, you know red tape. You know, mm-hmm. so I think it there's a lot to to say about. Uh, and it's a sensitive topic as well, you know. gentrification.
0: Is, its super sensitive because yeah. it's it's something that it's hard to talk about, especially as like a white dude. You know, yeah, it's like yeah, it's like yeah, it's like yeah. what do you know? And it's like well, I, <laughs> I I can speculate, I can have opinions, yeah. Because and yeah. on, on one side, it's like you're displacing people, right? You're displacing people, and and they have to go somewhere. That's terrible. Like sure. people shouldn't be forced out. Sure. But on the people who are. For it, it's like you're improving your cities. You're making yeah. it more attractive for, for uh tourism. You're making sure. your you're cleaning quote unquote cleaning up your city. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a weird dilemma where it's like, it this is. is good, but at the same time people are suffering because of it.
1: Yeah. It's it's you know, cart and horse, chicken and egg, yeah. That that whole complex. I mean, we saw like twenty some million people come in and out of D C, you know, that's not from here, visiting them museums, the monuments, Mm -hmm. you know, those are, those are huge numbers. You know what I mean? So to know that, you know, we are, you know, polished on, on that approach, but then every city, you know, has their own problems and, and issues. I think we have a unique, you know, instance because we're welcoming so many visitors at the same time, as trying to resolve all these issues, so it's got to be like a delicate balance. At the end, of oh the day.
0: yeah, dealing with all the new people who are just here for a little bit, yeah, and then the people who are actually from here trying mm-hmm. to do business and, yeah. and thrive. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I'm gonna let's just blame the restaurants for gentrification. <laughs> let's just do it that. Uh, sorry, man, you're part of it hey now. Man, you're, you're helping these I'm, restaurants. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm with it though, because I'm not gonna lie. I'll be a, I'll be at those restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a foodie. I'm a fat boy too, but I'll be at those restaurants. Do you have a favorite spot in DC? um uh, food wise um i mean i'm i'm always at park i've been at eating the last couple of days um it varies for me i mean mm. i'm a chicken wing head right okay. so i got like all the chicken wing spots on lock and i do go to like spots in virginia and in, in maryland like like you know i'll go to chima which is a mm. brazilian steakhouse out tyson's corner like Fogo, you know, where they bring the meat oh, to Oh, that's your some table real good stuff. Like oh, my God. Cook. I love when they do that. Yeah, that's so that's, gross. like, one of my spots. But, um, you know, I try to just bounce around. Okay, You better. know, like, Keith Ken. I mean, I, I live right there in Southwest, so, you know, Keith is, is is a great establishment. Chef Kwame does a phenomenal job. But, you know, then I'll bounce to, you know, Maryland and go to Kitchen Cray Cafe, you know, mm. which is, you know, more Southern. Uh, with Chef Jr. and Sue and and those guys, but question: Do you think Florida Street Grill is good? I've been there twice, um, and it was satisfying. Really, both, you both enjoyed times. it? I enjoyed oh. it. I enjoyed it. I was out there early, um, looking at um, uh, some properties out there, and, and when it was open, it was it was it was a it was
0: my thing. Um, so, is it safe to say that you're more of like an event producer now? Like you, like is that your main? Like you, you kind of you. When I look at a lot of stuff that you do, it's it's a lot of it seems like event production, event based.
1: Yeah, I I, I, I can claim that you know I think um, by doing a lot of the sneaker parties mm-hmm. back in the day, um, the formula hasn't changed. It's always been, you know, establish a a venue, uh, create a theme, create a concept. Um, you know, production wise, you know, music, food, um, you know, art, mm-hmm. uh, all of those elements you see today in your larger produced events and in your smaller. Um, I think I've found a, a niche with the uh, you know corporate sector like you know the, the sponsors um, and really presenting some unique ideas and, and influential concepts that um, can can carry value not just in one particular market but you know across the nation or even global. Um, and those are, are, are again things that you haven't seen uh before you know um like wings and whiskey was a a concept you I know saw that. yeah I saw and that, and yeah. I think what- what the two things with that is you know I love wings and <laughs> I love whiskey right so combo. without you know um uh categorizing a specific whiskey. Um, you know, Jack Daniels was one of our partners at the time and, uh, Donovan Booth who, who has moved on, um, was working with Brown Foreman. And I kind of just presented, uh, the idea of like, Hey, you know, I think wings and whiskey alliteration is like my, sh- I love alliteration. Like that's my shit. Like I could probably write like a thousand poems. That's all alliteration. Um, but I said, you know, like, you know, let's do something for Super Bowl. I think it was like six years ago. Um, maybe even sooner, um. And uh Bonchon just opened up in Navy Yard, mm-hmm. and they were like hurting for business. And I was like, yeah, man, like let's just do wings and whiskey here." You know, I think it'll be cool at Bonchon. At Bonchon, you know. And I was like, "Well, that'll be a first for like, you know, Jack Daniels to do something in Bonchon, who probably never thought that they would do a, a party of that magnitude." And and it was a hit. And so I said, "Well, let's do." Let's do this
0: again. So we did it for NCAA Final Four. You, it's, you know? know, it's so interesting because it, you make it seem so casual to just work with these big brands. <laughs> but for someone like me who who has, who's been getting into event producing and thinking about that stuff, it seems so unobtainable to to talk to these big brands and to make it all work out.
1: Well, you know, the one thing that I would say was a takeaway for me is that. And, and you can, in a lot of these places, again, are, are places that I patronize. Mm. So it's one thing to, and that's what I tell people, like, it's one thing to say, yo, I need a sponsor, yo, get me Hennessy, or yo, get me Crown Royal, or yo, get me Coke. But, you know, like, are you really a Coke drinker? Or are mm. you just saying you want to get Coke because you see that they're doing all this other stuff? Or are you really a Hennessy drinker? So for me the 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 joy in all of that was okay, well I started doing stuff with sneakers first and foremost and then I started working with Nike and I started working with Adidas, but like I'm going to like, you know, Nike's regional office for like the sample sales in Columbia, Maryland oh, wow. and I'm finding out who, you know, who coaches or who Rigo is and Trish McKinney. These are people that work in the office. So just establishing relationships at that time then I started working at Shoe City, right? Mm-hmm. So I, you know, even before I was working at Shoe City, I used to reach out to Shoe City on opportunities of participating in some of my sneaker events. Oh wow. So that was how that connection. It's all relationship. It does seem very building, relationship, yeah. you know, but it's it it aligns with authenticity and and you know, geniality. Those are things that you don't really find in this industry. Let alone um, working with corporate partners so if you did have a laundry list of, of things that you wanted to you know attain or, or people that you want to work with or organizations that you wanted to work with that's that's where I would say start you know start with what you love mm. start with what you know um, and then the rest of it'll 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 fall it'll fall in suit you know like the baby right now who's one of the hottest you know artists you know that, yeah, that, that of I, game. you know top of the game um, I've been working with uh, his management, uh, you know, Arnold Taylor down in Charlotte, uh, South Coast Music Group since 2013, 2014. Wow. We were doing stuff down in Charlotte for CIAA, which is a, you know, the it's a conference. Uh, all the HBCUs are in a conference. Um, and CIAA tournament is like a big thing down mm-hmm. in Charlotte. So um, I would be doing these dinner parties down there. Um, again, because nobody was really doing dinner parties back in the day. Interesting. Um, and so, like, 2010 was our first one down at CIAA. It was um, a dinner for, um, for Rick Ross. Uh, me and Wale wanted to, he just signed a Maybach music group, and he wanted to do a dinner for Rick Ross, like an appreciation dinner. Yeah. So um, we did the dinner, Lance Gross, Idris Elba. Like you produced uh, it, like yeah. your, your company was like... Yeah, their- top to bottom, right. Okay. So we got the sponsors, um, you know, Fever, Stimulation Beverage, just enough to fund the dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from then I said, well, look, I'm going to do this dinner every year at this one specific restaurant because it was so easy and, and just unique outside of the norm. Um, and then Arnold used to bring around Yogatti that was one of his artists that he, you know, had brought to the forefront and we just hit it off and so um last year we did the baby for All-Star and that was my first time meeting him as a talent but what's he like? Was meeting the baby like? He's cool. He's he's a humble dude, smart, you know, uh very intelligent, um um very genuine. He he's, he's a genuine guy. So um and i think that gets that gets mis <laughs> misled in media you yeah know, he's I think been getting a bad rap recently a lot of but you know i mean obviously you know you you know shoot to the top i mean he's been on top of his game mm-hmm. for a while you know we're just now getting you know or the general public is just now getting familiar with him so
0: because he's from um, the north carolina area, yeah, he's right? from, yeah. yeah he's
1: from charlotte so um but you know just like for For that you know when we because we started doing other things after we did the all-star event you know and we did um one of the things that um uh i had asked arnold i said well what's like what's his favorite what does he like you know what i'm saying like what is he on the spirit side what does he like to drink Mm -hmm. and he was like hennessy and so i was like all right well let's get hennessy in line with the baby so i think that's how easy it is to kind of start. Oh, that's an easy sell right there. Hey, Hennessy, I got the baby. You want a partner? (laughs) Of
0: course we do.
1: Well, no, I mean, not even that, but it's it's just, uh, you know, understanding where it can make sense. Like, yes, everybody can do a um, a deal or, or sign with, mm-hmm. you know, Fiji, but I might be a Dasani guy, you know what I mean? Mm, so it's, it's like, it's more true to you. It's more true to the person. It's more true to, to the individual. So, you know, again, like that's where I would try to tell people to, to, to start, you know, like if you want to do, um, you know, something sneaker related, start at shoe city or DTLR, you know, mm-hmm. those are two local retailers that you can have access to directly. You know, if you want to get access to like wine and spirits, or you know, go to an event that you know for sure is sponsored by that particular brand, you can walk into a room and easily
0: identify who's who the rep is. Who the like, rep is, you know what I mean? A little and, bit of social engineering, like social social hacking, like kind of yeah. putting, get, like, get, finding that puzzle piece before you need it.
1: Yeah, it's like I think that person that's standing right there with all of the other brand people around them, you know, wearing the shirts and shit. Yeah. like that's the person right there oh that's the hack right there the hack. it's not hard to tell
0: oh <laughs> yeah i mean i'm asking so selfishly too but i'm sure no. i'm sure i'm sure a lot of people like find a lot of value in that because for i just did my third exhibition and like we locked in a sponsor got some sponsorship money and i was like yeah. yes like so great so it's good great like feeling. like we, we made a pitch deck like it, it looked so good like we presented it they loved it the concept went great the night went great they were so stoked and like all I could think after was like, how do I get a bigger one? How do I get more yeah. money? How do I do this so I can make my event better? Yeah, you always
1: gotta you always gotta uh, overstep your your last um, your last task. You yeah, know? And, and those pitch decks, like I used to spend so much time on those pitch decks, and then it just got to a point where I was like, man, fuck these pitch decks. <laughs> I was like, this shit is not worth the days and days of putting together they're a 20-meg PDF where they're not even going to look at it. So then I kind of just smartened up, and I said, well, let me just start creating these web pages because everybody, mm-hmm. it's easier for me to send a, a URL uh, through text or through email or through um, You know, like it's easier for me to lay out the information um, with access by way of a link than by way of a document that gets sent an email that has to get downloaded that might get flagged in spam. Like I see exactly which more challenging. And then by me doing these web pages, now they have more access to photos and video links. I'm huge on post production. Mm. Like, I don't give a fuck about the event leading up to the event. Like, none of that shit matters at the end of the day. You can have an event with 30 people in the room. You can have the illest cameraman and video man in the world that can make that 30 person event look like it was something that you like, missed. Yeah, like it was packed, like you, you missed an I mean? epic night. Yeah, But like that to me, that's always been my, my MO.
0: So you're saying the post-production, is like all the content generated from yeah. the event is the most important. It's the most the recap.
1: It's all in a mm-hmm. recap. Like that's how you're able to now like. Damn, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you're able to like really like, like I, I can't stress how important that is. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, i proof. It's like proof. It's, like we've been doing this shit, like, like since like my Facebook. And it's funny because at the time, you know, we've been doing these events since 2007. Facebook was the portal to like house like all of our event shit because it's you know 2007, 2008, 2009, and then we started doing like the videos, like the real, real deal. Sneaker Pimps DC uh, was probably one of our. No, that wasn't our first video. But I was working with um, First Impressions. Mm. Um, and this was a group of young kids. Um, first time they ever, like, picked up a camera. And this is when, like, Wale, you know, like, J. Cole had opened for Wale at wow. DC Star. Wow. You know, and then Wale opened for for Clips. You know, that was the Sneaker Pimps bill at the <sighs> time. So You didn't know it back then. Didn't know it. You know, I think he did, like, his little Simba track, and that was it. And I was like, damn. Like, man, now... Um, but the, the, the first impressions video team, you know, like took that video, it was like eight of them and, you know, they started doing other sneaker pimp shows, other little things I would kind of get involved with. I was like, yo, y'all want to come do this video, you know, here's two fifty. like have fun because I'll always get it budgeted with the, with the sponsors. Um, now looking back, like. You know, Orly's rolling with Jay Balvin. Uh, Chris is rolling with uh, Shy Glizzy. Oh, they're all videographers um, for like really big acts. Yeah, right now. like wow. you know, like Fernando is That's still amazing. holding me down. Fernando's like been doing all of our like current events and programming. He's been around the longest. You know, like but but that to me was was again the most important piece. Like mm. being able to take the photos and the images. Because remember, I said I stopped doing those pitch decks. Yeah, it's like, well, here's what we did last last month with this brand. You know, here's the video. Look at the video. That's that's the pitch deck for the next. Ah, program. that, that makes
0: it like yeah, here's here's our tracker. Here's the proof. Here's yeah. the Facebook page. Here's like the here's link to our, the website. Here's
1: our portfolio, and then based off of that, you'll determine or you'll decide, instantly if you want to work with us or not. Oh, I don't have to sense. like convince you. You know what I mean? Although people I mean it, it still should be a good practice for people who are who are trying to get, you know, deep in the game. I mean, I'll I'll do pitch decks for like larger um um you know, monetary takes, I mm-hmm. should say. Uh, you know, like did one for Sandlot. Sandlot I did a, a pitch deck and, and here's another hack. Microsoft um PowerPoint mm-hmm. um has a, a new tool. Where they have like design ideas, so you can throw like four images on a slide, and it'll give you like twelve different options of how those images can look with like unique, different, you know, iterations of the photos. Where back then, like I'm in Photoshop, I'm moving it around, I'm moving (laughs) shit around, I'm trying to cut the image, Um, so that and that's been you know huge because it's it's doing something fairly quickly and, and getting a good turnaround but like said I I had you know we had to do a debt cuz we needed like 120,000 to to build this space Yeah, know what South I mean? West is a
0: very interesting thing that you did cuz it's it seems like it, it doesn't make sense to me you got permission <laughs> to do this thing in front of the Audi stadium like it doesn't seem like that should be able to happen i mean it was another it was someone
1: else's property you know what i mean uh-huh. so and that property was um uh destined to be re- de- you know demolished mm-hmm. at, at some point so we saw an opportunity to, um, you know, activate, and, and that's always been our thing. Like, how can we, again, take a, a non-traditional idea and, and convert it into a usable space that, you know, the people could, could take advantage of? And, and that's now has has been like our, our biggest charge. You know, it's like looking at the empty, abandoned spaces or dilapidated spaces, um, why can't we you know, activate and and get some of these dope artists in there so that we can get some more eyeballs on it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that to me is is where, you know, we've been at all these years, and now it's just a matter of doing more things like Sandlot. You know, we're we're working on a Sandlot, you know, northeast. We're working on a Sandlot southeast. We're working on other ways to kind of spread it around.
0: Sandlot's interesting because – what it what it did, like what what you did, you turned a demolished empty just lot yeah. into this happening, like pop-up feeling bar right yeah. outside one of the most expensive stadiums in, I guess, in D.C., like the Audi Stadium. Yeah. It's like, to me, business-wise, I was like, damn, that's so genius. I was like, that's the best yeah. pregame spot. But then I was like, but also what you're doing, the, the, bringing that culture to I'm like, that's really cool too. Yeah, and, and what we realize is that
1: there's not a lot of, like people aren't intentful with, with that thought, right? So thinking back to, um, like the bullpen, you know, perfect example. When they did Nat Stadium, mm-hmm. this was a great opportunity for, you know, someone to to do a shipping container, you know, kind of yard. And that's actually, you know, where, you know, the first Broccoli City Fest was in, in D.C., you know what I mean? So, you know, you have that type of ideation, you know, but really making it more about the people versus making it about the, the sport. Like we did build Sandlot adjacent to Audi Field, but that wasn't our intent. Mm. Like we didn't build sandlot for Audi Field patrons. Mm. We built Sandlot because this was an opportunity for us to have an outdoor venue where we can have go go till three AM in the morning or we can, you know, and speaking of go go, I mean, you know, the old East Side is on that same block. So oh, wow. it's very nostalgia to, to again, focus uh, an area that speaks more to, to our culture. Um, and what I mean by our culture, just, you know, the younger generation and folks where it's not driven by sports. Mm. Um, and to be able to bring in a Chocolate City farmer's market or to bring D.C. Jazz Festival or, you know, to have an art all night experience. Those are the type of programs that you don't see anywhere in the city and it's it's often a challenge for people to find space. So it's yeah, like it the is. more space that we create with the intent to satisfy that component, the more activity and engagement that we'll have from neighbors and, and community leaders and visitors
0: to Washington D.C. Like in a way, in a way, it kind of feels like. And I love that you said you didn't do it like with the monetary aspect of cross. My, how do you feel? <laughs> I love that. I'm God. I'm a terrible person. But like, <laughs> like it seems like it seems like you're holding this space like for the right reasons. But also, it seems like you're holding it to facilitate these events because that space could have easily just been like a, I don't know, like a Buffalo Wild Wings, but you're like, nah, let me step in here and create something so we can provide opportunities to other people.
1: Yeah. And we're still giving developers and people that opportunity to facilitate those deals. You know, like when a building gets built, we know for a fact that there's 12 to 18 months, maybe even longer before uh, a lease deal gets struck with a Buffalo Wild Wings or whoever. You know, um, we actually did a, a program in Virginia um, uh, at the Buffalo Wild Wings before it was Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, wow. So when it was just a vacant space, we worked with Crystal City Bid to activate it with arts and culture. Mm-hmm. And that's the same ideation that continues to this day. It's like when you're building a new facility, you know, No Kings did it recently at the, at the Liz down on 14th Street. They activated the lot, oh, they yeah. tore the building down. They brought the building back up. They had this vacant space, and then they did an art all night event in that vacant space. But oh yeah, Walmart, where they
0: painted the the building into the parking lot. Yeah, I was there. That's so same, cool. That's so same.
1: cool. So just you know, quantify that now. You know, like that's the new way of of community engagement, community building, without um, you know it really being a um, you know a, a burden financially for a developer to try to figure out how to get. community engaged in this you know 110 foot building that's being built in the neighborhood (laughs) i feel
0: like these pop-up things have just become so common like it's like the thing to do now is like a yeah temporary experience less risk
1: yeah there's i mean there there is no risk i mean when you look at most restaurants and that's why like a lot of restaurants are closing you know they don't have that you know it's never i mean rent obviously rent is it's dumb, you know what I mean. Especially, you know, looking at taxes and all that stuff. We get that you gotta make money, but there's other ways to achieve, you know, the the goal of of having this type of um, um, community asset, whether it's a restaurant, a gallery, a, a, a lounge, a theater, whatever. Um, it's always a benefit for the community but m- most developers they don't they don't think like that they're all numbers guys yeah. they don't give a fuck about that culture they're, they're not worried like, about it can you pay rent if you can not pay rent then you can come here regardless <laughs> you know so it's it's always just just a tough
0: yeah something. interesting hack right that we, interesting yeah. hack that people like you have just in a way founded like by you doing your your sneaker events for the sake of the sneakers like and even just thinking about that that's kind of cool you're yeah. presenting it as like a piece of art like, yeah I, I thought just i was say i remember thinking about that a while ago and i was just like oh yeah that is pretty sweet like sneakers are art like they yeah. are at the end of the day art. but it was the sneakers that propelled you into doing the pop-up at the blind wino before it became culture house
1: um no or the, into that the,
0: space the blind
1: one we were actually working um we were in Forest City we were working with Forest City at the time um, at Yards Park mm-hmm. so Yards Park had just uh, popped online and um, working with the developer there to do you know same shit right you know bring some fashion bring some sneakers yeah. bring some art bring some food you know everybody have a good time uh, and then the property owner Steve Tanner um, had approached uh, one of our former business partners um, to you know paint the building um, and that was just kind of like a one off in October twenty twelve. I don't think there was any intent to do anything beyond that. Um, but then we, you know, kinda started digging more into it and then I was working with Heineken and Ciroc at the time, um, through the G two agency and then the Blue Flame agency, which is Diddy's agency. Um but you were helping them with events and stuff. Yeah, and I was doing stuff with them outside of, you know, mm-hmm. Blind Wino. And then we were able to, um, you know, get some funding and, you know, we got like this, you know, one year lease, you know, from Steve and, you know, he became a part of the mix and, and, you know, he's now like, you know, kind of running the show. Um, But, you know, we had to establish a nonprofit organization. I mean, I had a for-profit business and then my former business partner had a nonprofit, I mean, had a for-profit business. So. By us doing a nonprofit, that's how we were able to activate the space. Because the only type of user, since it was a former church, yeah, had to be a nonprofit. Oh, and we often said, we often said, like, well, why don't we do something that's more for you know artists? Because there isn't a space in Washington D.C. that speaks to local artists, in especially the area. at that time, especially in 2013. Um, And so we just combined everything and then, you know, and then it was a hit, you know, and so that was kind of like the the introduction of it. But we didn't again intend on, you know, a becoming like a wedding destination. be just the amount of people that
0: came that first year i mean that place is crazy dude it's it's a church it's in southwest right yeah it's one of those places that was left standing like yeah it's yeah it was preserved it was yeah it's it's a it's a beautiful church that has painted with crazy colors and then you go inside you're like what in the world like this is nuts like yeah so that was like you know and and hence did the exterior mural Mm. um
1: and then megs did the feature mural upstairs in the performance space. Um and again, like, you know, uh you know, we we were very intentful of of making artists feel like this is like their home. You know what I mean? Like making them feel like this is something that they can, you know, be themselves and feel represented. Um, yes, we have Smithsonians and other museums, but no, we don't have anything of this magnitude that can um, be a, a representative uh, for those artists. So uh, we would have rotating art exhibits in the art annex, and I think that is where we really uh, realized, that's when we realized that this was something um, uh, something special um and and it is you know and by changing it to culture house you know that's it was it was time for a refresh mm. you know what i mean like it's been again seven years seven years is completion so it, it only made sense to uh shift if it it's it the mission like it fits the mission more i mean blind Wino has some challenges obviously because you know the it sounded name, really cool though Wino, it yeah, sounded really street cool. name it'll always be blind Wino. you yeah. see a hashtag for me every once in a while um, but like you know we couldn't do anything with the mayor's office we couldn't do anything with different schools oh,
0: uh, because
1: of the wine on connotation so while it was cool it just wasn't it it, it wasn't worth not working with specific agencies and and, and schools and organizations yeah, because of sense. that so you know and almost instantly as soon as we Changed it. We we changed it originally to Southwest Arts Club because we kind of were in between Blind Wino and Culture House. And as soon as we did that, you know, we were Blind Wino Southwest Arts Club. So when we dropped the Blind Wino, like, you know, we got some with the mayor. We got a bunch of schools. We're gonna do proms. You know, and it, it was it was cool. And then Culture House um, kind of uh, accelerated a lot of things. So yeah,
0: it's it's definitely a big deal. It's something that you're really well known for. Like you yeah. do a lot of stuff, but that's one of the big things when you look up your name. It's like Blind Wino, Culture <laughs> House, Ian yeah. Calendar. It's like yeah, eh, well, you do
1: a lot more besides that. Yeah, but. but you know what? It's cool because like the Sneaker Suite. You know, like so that's my parent company name, mm-hmm. right? And even back when I was throwing Sneaker Sweet parties, like people didn't really know like, well what's Sneaker Sweet, you know, or what's Sweet Nation? Like what like I'm very vague, you know, like you'll go to, you know, Sweet Nation's website and there's like minimal information. That's true. I was on it. There is minimal information. And it but there's a lot of photos. Yeah. There's a lot of videos. So, you know, it's almost like the black godfather. It's like you know at some point he's an important person, but I don't know what the fuck he does. That's the
0: best way to describe you and Uncle Scooty is the black Godfather (laughs) is a DC. Like when I think about it, like I think of you guys like the OGs who've just been here and facilitated all this new wave of energy that's happening right now. And I think the it's better that way.
1: You know, Mm -hmm. like I'm I don't want like You know I don't even I don't really do this you know what I mean but it's like you know I I love I love like now it's important because like like this information is free you Mm -hmm. know like I'm accessible like I want people to you know know what my journey was like you know like I can only imagine being someone that was born after 1981 you know what I mean like to have the tools and resources that you know, you have access to now that we didn't have access to. Yeah, you know, so it's like we had to work twice. You know, it's hard, which was great because it helped me grow as a person, or us grow as people. Um, but now, like, it's it's time to provide that information so that people don't have to work as hard. You know, like I would never say, "Man, I ain't about to help you," or "I ain't about to tell you," <laughs> you know, how to get money or how to you know finesse the game like nah like this game this knowledge is super free yeah i want you to have it all yeah there
0: were were no podcasts when you were starting your events like wait i gotta do what like there's no podcast like (laughs) with some og in the game being like here's all the knowledge like (laughs) man what man our knowledge came through hip-hop
1: and rap and you know school so that's where
0: you know i mean i
1: went to school for engineering
0: Oh, you did? So It's nothing related to anything. Well, it?
1: I got a dual degree in engineering and IT, but then I got a business administration minor. Mm. So the minor where I took marketing 101 and all of that stuff. <laughs> that was the most important thing. Blew my fucking mind. I will lie to you not. Like, really? Yeah. What about it? Like, yeah, just... it was just like 2003. It's like doing a, a, it's funny, you know, me and my friend Angela, uh, we talk about it today. Like it was just. It was just like take this product market it promote it you know do an event all of that you know kind of stuff and that shit excited me you know more than being in you know mechanics or systems mm-hmm. and all that nerd shit like that's cool too but you know nah this is this is where it was at and i think you know because i graduated in 04 that was you know right at when i started you know, when I did my first sneaker party. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like rolled right into it off the energy of just what I just recently learned. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, I mean, I worked for the department of defense as well, you know, and then that Washington post article dropped, and then as soon as that dropped, I was like, man, I don't even want to work here no more. What, what was the article? It was just, it was called Soul of the Sneakerhead." It was just kind of like, uh, uh, you know, it was the front page of the Washington Post. It was front page of the style section. With your and, face on it? With my face Holy on it with sneakers all around me and what? shit. Yeah. And was, that was off of your first event? Well, this was just off of my collection. This wasn't even oh, wow. about, this wasn't even about events at the time it was just the the state of sneaker collecting mm-hmm. um and 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 that's when i you know told myself i said yo like i want to start doing like more like sneaker parties mm-hmm. like that to me is where like the real energy comes from yeah and then it just took
0: off what was it like, like, trying to create that first sneaker event? What, what, what was, like, What do you remember what you were well, it thinking was, and It feeling? was my
1: birthday party.
0: Oh, whoa. Yeah, so it was easy. People it had to easy. go. <laughs> Man, listen, it
1: was it was easy for me. It was, like, my first birthday, like, back home. You know, like, like, yo, you know, I'm the sneaker guy, so everybody, yeah. you know, wants you got to. got that article. Yeah. Like, you, you, you got know, a buzz going. An article out there that's like, yo, look at me, y'all, like, front, like, you see you go to the website. Yeah. Um, but like you know, and then my dad did the catering. Oh wow! So he cooked like jerk chicken. Oof. My parents are Guyanese, right? So he cooked jerk chicken, and cinnamon salmon, shrimp, and strawberries. Mm. Uh, what else he cooked? Like you know, like just sounds great. Helping his son out, yeah. but you know, a lot of people don't realize. Like back then, like I used to have these glass cases that I would lug in my in my jeep. You know what I mean? <laughs> like two three glass cases from ikea and i will put all of the sneaker stuff in there and then that's kind of was like how it like became a thing you know what i mean and and that was like super impressive The thing those, just like fell off while you're talking about like was some special effects right i was like it was
0: oh, it's got really bright up in here i it? did that
1: you know? <laughs> I, like, I got so excited i was like yeah yeah your energy's taking off on the <laughs> thing man dang
0: I'm just going to leave it. It'll be fine. Down that yeah. Window,
1: right? I mean, that look good. Do I look good, yeah. okay.
0: It's like a spotlight hit us, you know, the diffuser came off. Like crash.
1: <laughs> but yeah, man. So that, that to me was where, um, when I, when I realized I had, I had something special. And again, I wasn't doing it for financial gain. I was just doing it because I knew that it was a subculture and people were always used to question, you know, why the fuck is Ian standing in line for like two days for some shoes,
0: for mm-hmm. some espos? Like, air force like no that's so normal now but it but back in the day it was so goofy oh
1: my gosh i used to get clowned like heavily oh yeah like heavily like i mean like you know i would be at uh i'm trying to think of some instances like you know the yeezys for example because remember like social media wasn't a thing Right. Oh yeah, when when the first when the Red Octobers came out, those yeah. were the first Yeezys, right? No, those, those were, weren't. Yeah, there was there was another series before oh, wow. then. Um so when the first Yeezys came out, you know, like I'm on Nike Talk and you know, we're like in the DMV chat room, which was mm-hmm. like we used to do meetups, like shit just used to be different. Back on the forums back in the day, man. The fucking forums was everything. Um but you know like we used to have like social study which was a store in Frederick, Maryland, used to have, um, you know, AJ, you know, worked there. He would post on there, like, all right, y'all, the shipment just came in. Oh, we drop in, we that, drop that was, that in tomorrow, connect. 10 a.m. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't like you had notifications on your phone. It's like, nah, we had a whole other situation. So I literally got up from work that day, Shoe City, in the middle of work, what? with no plan like no plan <laughs> i just up and rolled and i was like yo you just tell quit on the whoever spot. i didn't quit i just oh. left i just got up and rolled cuz i was in baltimore yeah. and i knew that baltimore was close to frederick maryland mm-hmm. got on 70 got to frederick maryland and you know got in line no no clothes no no nothing how long did you wait for it like overnight you know and and the funny thing was like it was a rack of other people that you know did the whole thing and i ended up getting like the last pair and then the day it released i went down to commonwealth and then they did a raffle right so because it came out you know saturday yeah went down to uh commonwealth they did a raffle and your boy won. So you won. You got two of the same time two put, at the <sighs> same same time. Same time. So but that was the rush. Yeah, when like, you get it. Like that's oh. just the rush, man. So and even if you don't get it, you know, there have been times where I would drive to New York to get, you know, stuff out of Nike Town. Nike Town was kind of like the go to, right? Yeah. And there was a way where you could get shoes uh, from other Nike towns. That would drop the shoes, even though you were in like like I would order like if I knew that Nike Town Chicago just got their shipment, uh-huh. I can call Nike Town Chicago and from D.C. and be like, "Yo, I want that pair," and they'll just do a over the phone order and Whoa. mail you the shoes. Whoa, yeah. So back then it was it was different. It was so different. It was different. Now it's like. It was Fucking app, like I hate sneakers. Oh, app. like StockX. StockX, you hate it's that like app. All... I don't
0: hate it, but it's just like it makes being cool too easy. It, it makes yeah. it. It kind of takes away that magic of like it's you having to. A... A... You have to know people. You haven't. An... It kind of. Yeah. Now, if you just got the guap for it, it's like okay, I got the easies.
1: I mean, I remember walking in the Shoe City and Capitol Plaza and getting like ten pairs of Easter Air Force Ones because back then it wasn't like. One pair only, because these shoes would just sit if you didn't know when the shit dropped. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had people that wanted these shoes, so I would go in there at a time like, "Yo, y'all got those Easter Air Forces? All right, let me get ten of them. Here, here are the sizes I need. You know, and then turn around and and sell it for double. I would even knock things in the head. I was just, just." just like you know 60 bucks 80 bucks 100 bucks over retail
0: sneaker hustles it's such a respectable hustle it's it's so similar to like dealing drugs but it's (laughs) legal you know i've always admired anyone who could hustle anything yeah that was my that was my drug i guess like that was i mean it
1: wasn't i mean technically yeah i guess it was legal Legal drug hustle, right there.
0: Yeah, it's like a, it's it's I like it. It. it's it's like one of those. That's I thought I hustle. thought
1: that way. I used to, you know, pop
0: open the trunk
1: and do the
0: exchange. <laughs> I mean, you're driving to different can- states and shipping <laughs> it and importing it back. You're popping <laughs> the trunk. You're calling the plug on the. phone. Yeah, nah, it was it was you know, It's yeah. crazy. So it, how it's it's in its own nuts how life works out. Like it, it started with something like that, and yeah. then just because of sheer necessity of what, bringing what you want to life. Like now you've opened. Like you're in charge of her, you're a part of this church that helps events and culture and society and arts in DC. And then now it's like you have the Sandlot, yeah. which is just on its own and running right now. Like, what? What is there? Anything you're working on right now that's up and coming?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's uh, some other some other spots that we're working on in Southwest and Northeast and, and Southeast. Really, every mm. every every neighborhood should experience what Southwest experienced. Mm. Like, it was so. True to form, and you know a lot of that is is to the to the you know compliments of of Steve Tanner, who owns the building you know he wasn't charging his rent, wow, you know like that's rare
0: that's super rare you know
1: what I mean and for him to 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 open his doors and and to be so encompassing or so welcoming to to what the neighborhood you know can be um that's that's huge so when you look at other neighborhoods that um, either don't have or or need a cultural institution, you know, what can that look like? So again, yeah. going back to the initial you know uh, conversation about being on a you know commission of nightlife and culture, it's like, well, how can I help facilitate mm-hmm. that 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 task? Yeah. you know, how can I help facilitate, you know like War seven and eight doesn't really have next to anything, yeah. you know, so to be able to work with, You know, like a Stephanie Riser, who's, you know, another small developer, but, you know, she bought a property on Nicholson Street in Southeast, um, right off of uh, Minnesota. And we created the Nicholson Project, which is an artist in residency and urban farm right in a row home with a 9,000 square foot lot that she bought in 2015. You know, so there's so many different ways to, to mount cultural institutions but we just you know it's a resource thing Uh at the end of the day so i can only imagine if we got you know the city you know the government side behind it from an interagency aspect the amount of of accessible spaces that could come online for for folks like yourself to to have additional podcast locations or to just do this type of you know programming in another part of the city Mm. like that's that, to me is, is what I'm really working on um, um, you know this year
0: yeah sp- um, space is the thing for everyone especially in cities yeah. like this it's space and the cost of space and it's how do you yeah. how do you solve that problem for, for people who don't have the money for space like
1: I mean you have this huge document that was drafted by um, office of planning uh, and then um, the office of cable television film, music and entertainment and then the Arts and Humanities, the Commission of Arts and Humanities. So, and that's the commission that focuses specifically on art, but it's the cultural plan, mm-hmm. right? So it's a huge document, you can look it up, plan, I think.com .com or .org, mm-hmm. but it literally is a three-year processed document with feedback from every neighborhood, every ward, um, every quadrant, And the one thing that almost every organization or or person of importance in the arts kept saying was the need for space. And I used to go to these meetings and say, well, shit, we got 12,000 square feet, what y'all need? Mm-hmm. But just the ability, you know, our facility was, was ailing, you know what I mean? And it was built in 1886. So it was often hard to, to satisfy or justify a dance group coming mm-hmm. in and there's concrete floors or whatever the case is. But like the fact that there's such a need for
0: space, how can we correct that? That's interesting. It's like all that data and the biggest conclusion was that people just space. want more space.
1: space. It's, it's accessible space because one of the ideas was, well, you know, a lot of these schools close at four o'clock. You know, Dunbar, you know, they close at three, four o'clock, you yeah. know, and the school is just there, you know. But then you get into insurance, then you get into liability, and then you get into mm. all these other things that you're saying. that vote that out. It gets sticky real it quick. Gets sticky. It gets sticky. So, yeah. you know, but then it's 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 just a, it's just, but understanding like community centers, and understanding what you can and can't do in, mm. in, in, in those accessible spaces. So, again, it comes down to knowledge. It comes down to how we can be creative and strategic in our approach to to make more space accessible interesting you know and that's all I'm all I'm doing is just trying to 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 be uh you know take a different approach to just bring more physical spaces online that's it I mean that's that's what we've been doing for the past 10 years and we'll probably do it for another
0: 10 years and then just chill and watch everybody else take over and do same thing that we did. Do you feel like there's kind of like a new guard coming up with people doing things in DC like arts or events wise?
1: Yeah, uh, I think um a lot of that though is from from outside influence. Mm-hmm. You know, like people again coming from Florida, a lot of traveling shows um and then again just different collaborations that 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 come to fruition. Um but I wouldn't say it's a new guard, it's maybe just a new iteration you know oh, what i mean like so, just someone else who's come along and yeah different start helping different out. subset like, like me again I, I would love to see people flourish in in category that that i flourished in you know what i mean like mm. especially like with real
0: estate real estate is probably one of the hardest look man i'm trying bro not easy categories to flourish in. but um do you have a perspective the state of the arts in dc i mean is it just the space or, or, or is like is that the perspective or do you have is like um, a different perspective
1: i mean it's it's it, it, it's multidimensional like again looking at you know like um different smithsonian institutions now doing things with like local artists you know that someone never, else brought up my podcast yeah as well. you never it's saw so that weird. it's you so never, weird they don't you, you know you never saw that before but you're starting to see it now mm-hmm. so it's like it's it's a slow process and again like access to showcase your, your work. I mean, you know, you, you can probably name on one hand, you know, Transformer. I mean, there's only a few places that artists can have the ability to, to showcase, but I think it's coming. So as far as the state of, of the arts, I think it's it's just a matter of finding the right mix, the right formula. To make it
0: um, uh, a viable business for artists. Isn't that weird that we have all these amazing art institutions mm-hmm. and they just they just don't give a shit about what's around them. It's so weird. Like, it's so think, like you would think they would care more about the people around them. I think they do,
1: but you know, the Smithsonians are still driven by Congress. So it's like it's not oh, yeah. certain things you can and can't I mean, look what happened with the the, the photo from the women's march, right? What happened? Where what happened? What happened? What they happened? blurred out You know that I think they, the archives, they blurred out like a uh, a sign that said like "fuck Trump" or something like that, right? And they used, they altered a journalist's authentic photo from Getty Images, and they said it was like a mistake or something like that. But they were probably influenced by Congress, where it was like, nah, you can't put this up and you know so that's a whole another story that's unfolding right now um that i probably need to do some more research on before i get so so
0: a journalist took a photo from that recent woman's march and and obviously there's gonna be fuck trump signs everywhere yeah right and when and when the smithsonian institution put it out they blurred it out they censored it Essentially,
1: it, it was mounted inside the um the archives National what? Archives. yeah. what yeah and so that it was a i probably got it am forgetting the name um but somebody wrote about it was a big article on it a that's crazy on it. so i say check that out for sure yeah it's super nuts yeah man but i mean that's the you know the state of the art is 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 that it's for an artist it's it's like don't stop you know what i mean like continue like instagram now is the platform to showcase what your talent is Mm -hmm. and then just your um your your flexibility your ability to work in a multi-dimensional space or medium like you know work with different medias don't just stick with vinyl you know do some some mixed media or some things that you know challenge yourself i mean that's all that I've been doing f- as an advocate, you know, like just challenging myself um to 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 do more for artists in our area to flourish, you know, and and Culture House was just kind of one of the 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 cool ways to to get artists, you know, paid. We didn't take any commission. Yeah. We were, you know, the artists retained 100% of all the sales that they, you know, made in the gallery space oh, wow. and just nice providing other arts opportunities to work with other developers, too. I mean, some developers are phenomenal, you know, like Tishman Spire. There's a lot of developers who 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 want to truly support local arts and not work with, you know, design firms from New York or Miami mm. to... You know influence i mean even right across the way with with no man kelly tolls i mean he's been doing like kind of like a lot he's of in this things. building by the way yeah he's on top he's yeah. he's he's, a, he's at the the penthouse level yeah he's got a nice
0: spot <laughs> well i i i really appreciate your time and you coming no in doubt, and, and dropping this knowledge on us man it's it's it really demystifies you <laughs> which has which been is, great which is rare which yeah is rare. yeah but
1: I, mean, I, I mean i'm 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 here man and, and sorry it took so long man to even link up but nah, i mean i enjoy i enjoy you know like talking and i'm sure we can probably sit here and talk for like two more hours definitely could i'm i'm, I'm cool with that so if you ever want me to swing back through i'll come through and i'll bring some some wings and some whiskey as thank well. you
0: i will take you up on that offer because this podcast is going nowhere and i love to bring people back on i can only interview so many damn people I in this city you know i'm with it well, awesome man well uh cool. guys please check ian out uh everything he's a part of no doubt. you're gonna enjoy it but um that's it That's the angle. Peace. Hey, you know. (laughs) Cool, man. Cool. That was fun, man. Yeah, man. That was wicked. Oh,
1: man. Uh, It's
0: always a beautiful thing to talk, man.